calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Empty Set Entertainment presents Slay, created by Scott Sigler. This story is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Howdy, junkie. How's your spring going? I hope it's going great. Mine is going fantastic, making the progress on lots and lots of things. Before we dive into Slay episode number 18, some important info about the Crypt Book One Shakedown. First of all, it is due out October 3rd, 2023. After all this waiting, some of you finally get it. And those new fans of mine that are listening, you're just going to love the whole, it's just, it's sexy, it's spectacular, you're going to love it. It will be available as an ebook, a Ray Porter narrated audiobook, and as a signed hardcover, which is all super good news. All of that will be available for pre-order, but here's the thing. If you have not already pre-ordered the Kindle version, please wait to do so. The gang at Athon Books, they have a plan. They are the publishers of the crypt. And much like the Cylons, they have a plan. They want me to hold back the hordes of Siglerism from that pre-order until the time is just right. So I would prefer it if you would wait. If you're a Kindle reader, just wait. You may ask, well, when is the right time to pre-order? If you are signed up for our newsletter or SMS text list, you will know for sure. Text the word SIGTEXT, one word, S-I-G-T-E-X-T, to 855-955-5095. That's 855-955-5095. That gets you on our SMS text list, where we send updates about new books, merch, podcast episodes, and a few other things. It's very, very handy. And or... Sign up for a monthly newsletter at scottsigler.com slash newsletter. Both of those vehicles will give you the important info for the shakedown pre-orders. You'll be the first to know when the audiobook and signed hardcover are available for the pre-order and when to pre-order the Kindle version. Now, speaking of that Kindle version, it's a lousy five bucks, you guys. So even if you're planning on getting the audiobook, the signed hardcover, or both, as many junkies are telling me they will do, make sure you set five bucks extra aside for that Kindle version because that version's sales is critical to the publisher's evil Cylonic plan. And the success of that plan will help me out in my career, and that helps me keep bringing you free stuff every Sunday. Now, back to Slay. Let's get caught up in the story so far, and then we're all going to go listen to both kinds of music, country and western. Previously on Slay. 
In Cordis, Lincoln and Billy escaped their pursuers and found their way back to the terrestrial realm. Home sweet home. But when they transited to the Old Stone Church's men's room, Lincoln succumbed to his wounds and passed out. Now it is up to Billy to find a woman named Magda and get help before Lincoln bleeds out. Billy leaned his back against the men's room door. The wiener dog, with the long black fur, stared up at him, head low to the floor, its tail flat and straight behind it, as still as a street sign. Hey there, guy, Billy said. If the dog barked, would someone come a-running? Running and a-shootin'. People got shot for accidentally knocking on the wrong door these days or pulling into the wrong driveway, and Billy was already inside the old building. He had no idea who might be here or how kindly they would take to him once he started wandering around. But he had to look, had to find someone named Magda. If he didn't, Lincoln would probably die. Which might be a good thing or a bad thing, Billy wasn't entirely sure. Good pup, Billy said. You just stay there and be quiet, okay? I just, I just need to slide on past. Billy took one step down the hallway. The little dog moved like a black flash, scooting sideways, stopping dead still in front of Billy's foot, little black lip curled back to reveal little white teeth. The message was clear. Don't move or I will get you. Delusions of grandeur. One field goal kick and the little dog would sail down the hall. Billy's eyes told him that, so why did the animal seem so damn ominous? Billy stayed still. The little black nose sniffed Billy's shoe. The tail began to wag. Don't you move, motherfucker! Billy looked down the hall and realized that while he knew he would never get used to someone pointing a gun at him, at this point, it really didn't surprise him all that much. Billy put his hands up. The woman held a shotgun. She wore Scooby-Doo pajamas, and her hair looked like she had just woken up. Three parallel scars lined the left side of her face. Are you Magda? I'm with Lincoln. He's hurt. She lowered the stubby black shotgun, and when she did, Billy recognized it. It had been Joe's. Watch yourself, the woman said. I'll kill you just as soon as I look at you. Now come with me. She shoved the men's room door open. Billy followed her inside. Lincoln was on the floor, a puddle of red on the old, grout-cracked white tile beneath his limp hand. Blood had soaked his bandage clean through. The dog shot in, started licking the man's face. She let out little, heartbreaking puppy whimpers as she did. Shit, Magda said. She rested Joe's shotgun against a urinal, moved quickly to Lincoln. Help me get him up. Billy glanced at the weapon. Lincoln had put that same barrel under Joe's jaw and pulled the trigger. Joe's brains had erupted from the top of his head like a chunky red volcano. Motherfucker, I said, help me get him up, Magda said. She'd knelt next to Lincoln, had his arm with the wounded hand over her shoulder. Didn't I tell you not to play with me? Billy knelt, got under Lincoln's other arm. He felt the man's armor beneath the long gray cloak just as he had on the motorcycle. Together with Magda, they got Lincoln on his feet. 
Help me get him to the nave, Magda said. Together, Billy and Magda carried Lincoln down the hallway. Lincoln had said this place was an old church. Billy saw it now, in the architecture and in the votive candle stand behind the same motorcycle Billy had ridden on with Lincoln. Lincoln had told the bike to go home. Apparently, the bike had obeyed. More magic craziness. Magda led them through a tall door into a big room with a vaulted ceiling. A movie played against a big screen hanging in front of a riser and a pulpit. On the screen, a very young Forrest Whitaker wore a dark blue suit. Oh, snap, Billy said. Is that Ghost Dog? Pay attention, Magda said. Now, hold him for a second. Billy did. Magda let go, ran her hands over the collar of Lincoln's cloak, mumbled some unrecognizable words. With a spark of blue energy, something snapped and the cloak fell away. Help me put him on the beer pong table, she said. As the little dog ran in circles, whining and yipping in despair, Magda led them to a long, thin, fold-up table with a few red Solo cups on the ends. More cups lay on the floor, along with other trash. Magda swept out an arm, sent the tabletop cups flying, sloshing beer all over the wall. She and Billy put Lincoln on the table. The man still wasn't moving. Blood dripped from his wounded hand. The door opened again, and a woman entered. Red hair, wide face, she looked like a middle-aged secretary. What's going on down here? I heard... Her voice trailed off when she saw Lincoln lying prone on the beer pong table. Ariella, Magda said, go to my office, get the black medical bag in the bottom right desk drawer. Bring it here. Anger flared on the woman's face. My name is Patty. You must have forgotten. She looked at Billy, taking him in at a glance. And who is this filthy homeless man who smells like a urinal? Why is he... Get the bag, Magda screamed. Right fucking now. Her intensity made the red-haired woman jump. She glanced at Lincoln, then rushed out the door. Magda's hands found hidden catches in Lincoln's armor. She tossed aside his gauntlet, the forearm piece, the elbow thing, then ripped away the blood-soaked, long, white sleeve of his undershirt. She removed the bandage, exposing the horrible talon wound that had punctured the hand and come out his forearm. Blood flowed. Shit, that's bad. She gently probed Lincoln's ravaged hand. He hurt anywhere else? Uh, his back, Billy said. Bounty hunter shot him. Shit, was he walking on his own after that? Yeah, Billy said. Rode a motorcycle, fought these two bitches on Vespas. He stood on his seat while we were riding like he was like Van Damme and Hard Target or something. Man, it was bonkers. At the words, Hard Target, Magda glanced at him with a quick, quizzical stare, then pointed to Lincoln's shoulder. Turn him on his side, she said, slow and steady. Billy did as he was told. Magda squatted slightly, peered at a shallow, fist-sized dent in the man's gray armor. Didn't penetrate, she said. Ease him to his back again. Billy did so. Patty rushed in, her feet moving in the fast, short steps of a non-athletic person carrying 20 pounds too much. She held an old-timey leather doctor bag. Magda took it, opened it, started rummaging through the contents. Billy saw glimpses of metal in there, scalpels and scissors and such, 
as well as bandages, and some things that wiggled slightly as if they were alive. For hell's sake, Patty said, please don't tell me that you are Lil B. She stared at Billy with unmistakable anger. Okay, he said, I won't tell you that. Magda stood. Something writhed in her hands, something maybe a foot long, mottled, and grayish pink, the color of a zombie on TV. A worm of some kind? Maybe, if that worm had come from someone's nightmare. The fuck is that? Billy asked. It's a Carol factor, Magda said. Hold him tight. You too, Patty. Billy didn't want his hands anywhere near that wiggling thing. But uh, he's passed out. We don't got to hold him down. He won't stay that way, Magda said. Trust me on that. Patty rushed to Lincoln's feet, gripped his armored shins, leaned her stiff-armed weight on them. Let's go, little bee, she said. Hold his good arm. Billy grabbed Lincoln's uninjured arm. Whatever you say, Ariella. Her lip curled in anger, and Billy had a feeling, too late as usual, that fucking with this person might be a mistake. Magda leaned an elbow on Lincoln's other shoulder. She gripped his forearm, just above the bloody wound. Here we go. She put the end of the worm against the ravaged hole in Lincoln's hand. There was a moment where nothing happened. Then the worm convulsed, twisted, and turned, forced itself into the wound, burrowing into it with such a desperate intensity that Lincoln's arm shuddered. It slid deeper, steadily vanishing from sight. When all but the tip of the mottled pink tail had slid inside, Lincoln woke up. He woke up screaming. Billy, Patty, and Magda fought to hold him down as he thrashed. The little black dog barked madly, desperately. It was all Billy could do to hold on to Lincoln's arm. This man, he was strong. Stronger than anything Billy had ever known. Lincoln suddenly stopped moving, fell limp again. He lay there, on his back, atop the beer pong table, and started to snore. Man, that was close! Magda gently put Lincoln's hands on his chest. I'm gonna be good as new in an hour. We'll give the Carol Factor 20 minutes to start morphing to flesh and bone, then we'll move Link to the couch. She sniffed, her nose wrinkling. Oh, well, which one of you smells like piss? Patty slash Ariella stamped her foot. I just showered and you know it. She pointed at Billy. It's him that stinks, this man that's supposed to be dead. Oh, right, the shower works now, Magda said. Oh, Lil Peen, you mind cleaning up? You reek. I'll give you something to wear. Billy realized anew that he had pissed his pants, lain in garbage, and vomited on himself. As strange as this place was, this scene was. He wouldn't mind getting out of his ruined clothes. Yeah, I'll shower, he said. And it's Lil B, with B, not Lil Peen, with a P. Tomato, potato, Magda said. Ariella, oh, I'm sorry, my bad. Patty, show him where the bathroom is. But first, anyone want to get baked real quick?
In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lincoln felt like he'd been run over by a cement mixer. Everything hurt. Especially his arm which throbbed like a blinking streetlight, signaling an endless pulse of cold pain, and his lower back was no joy, either. He felt like his father looked. He felt old. Lincoln, Ariella said, let's make sure I clearly understand this, because, to be blunt, it's hard to understand your thinking at all. He wished she would stop talking, stop asking questions. But this is what he got for bringing a lawyer into his home. Lincoln took a swig of his fifth of Jack Daniels, rested the bottle on his belly again, atop his cloak that he was using for a blanket. He hurt, but at least the couch was comfortable. Sure, he said. Go for it. Ariella was still in her Patty McTash altar. Different face, different clothes, different hair, different eyes, yet the ever-condescending expression remained the same. You were sent out to claim a bounty on one little bee and come home with his head in a rune box, she said. Yet this same little bee is very much alive and well in our living room petting your dog. Our living room. How quickly Ariella had taken over, imprinted herself on Lincoln's home. Wearing Simpson's pajamas that were too loose on him, Billy was sitting cross-legged on the floor. Dragon in his lap, the dog's long-furred black tail swish-swish-swishing in slow delight as the kid absently twirled his little ear. Which means we don't get the bounty, Ariella said. And instead of getting 50 grand, we now owe Bingle's Bimblefoot 70 pieces of gold, 60 of silver, because you agreed to pay 10 times what that worthless excuse of a lawyer, Dylan Cantrell, failed to deliver for you. And we have one week to pay, or Bingle's and his corpse removal team will come looking. Uh, do I have that right, Lincoln? Lincoln took another, bigger swig. I mean, it sounds bad when you say it like that. He held out a hand toward Magda. 
Give me a hit. She took a quick inhale of her joint, handed it over. Lincoln took a heavy puff. Billy raised a hand, like he was a kid in school. Uh, how much is that in real money? Roughly 200 grand, Ariella said. But it's the uncollected 50K that's more important because it would have covered the 10 grand we owe contractors for the basement and the bathroom. They gave me the labor for free, as a favor, but if we don't pay that materials bill ASAP, they will feel disrespected. Disrespected contractors talk. They talk about the job for which they got disrespected, that job being this church where there are now two people with bounties on the heads. Lincoln had one week to pay Bingles, but Ariella was right. The contractors were a bigger issue. He wished she had never brought them in in the first place. So pay them, Lincoln said. Use your own goddamn money. I can't, Ariella said. While you were gone, Kalista paid someone off somewhere. My accounts are frozen. Don't ask how she did it. I don't know. That was not good. Kalista had likely grown tired of Lincoln not finishing the job and was now pursuing other avenues. The heavy flap of wings announced Shitbird's arrival. The crow flew down from the peak ceiling, did a slow circle, then landed on the couch's armrest at Lincoln's feet. You're home! You're home! You're home! The crow angled his head, one black eye fixing on Lincoln. Did you give me my cheese whiz, boy? Billy stared at the bird. Um, did that talking raven just quote check the Blues Brothers? The bird hopped from one foot to the other, ruffled its black feathers. I'm a crow piss boy! A crow piss boy! Uh, actually, Billy said, your size and the, the shape of your tail would indicate... Lincoln waved his good hand, cutting Billy off. Shut up, kid. His name is Shitbird. Let him identify how he wants. Lincoln reached into one of his cloak's normal pockets, fished out a ball of bread wrapped in brown butcher paper. Shitty, without that tactical deuce you dropped on the Flechette sisters, we wouldn't have got away. You were rock solid. I stopped by Carmelo's while I was out and I... I got you your favorite. One-handed, Lincoln opened the crinkly paper, revealing a fist-sized chunk of dried-out Italian bread. Shitbird exploded in a flurry of motion, wings flapping, feet hopping, big black beak opening, head twisting, this way and that. Stale bread! Stale bread! Fuck yeah! Carmelo, stale bread! The bird snatched up the chunk of bread, flew up to the ceiling, and vanished into the shadows. Well, I guess I have to be the grown-up here, Ariella said. Lincoln, you need to fulfill the contract, as in right now. We need that 50 grand. Dragon growled at her, soft, low, and threatening. The dog had taken an immediate liking to the kid. Lincoln saw realization dawn on Billy's face. Fulfill the contract? You mean, you mean you want him to cut off my head? Magda rolled her eyes. Jesus, you are a bitch, Ariella. My name is Patty. Lincoln sat up, grunting at the pain in his back, his arm, his everywhere. Give it up, Ariella, he said. Magda let it slip already. You can stop pretending. The red-haired woman silently seethed. 
She felt at her own neck. A shimmer, a blur, and Ariel Goldsmith was her old self again. Blonde hair with dark roots, angry blue eyes, stylish clothes, obscene turquoise necklace, and all. I'm not going to kill him, Lincoln said. He didn't do anything bad enough to merit it anyway. And there's something different about him. Being different isn't enough reason to bring him home like a stray pet, Ariella said. Him being here is going to get us killed. He has a contract on his head. Magda let out a held cloud of smoke. <laughs> so do you, you uptight twat? Is one of your alters named Karen? Because you sound like a Karen. Yeah, the kid is a stray that Link brought home. So am I. So is Dragon. And so the fuck are you. What Link did for you is exactly what he did for Lil Peen here. So how about you shut your mouth? Uh, it's Lil B, actually. Shut up, Magda and Ariella said in unison. Ariella crossed her arms, glared at everyone in turn. Lincoln looked at the four of them. Two women, one kid, one long-haired wiener dog. Magda was right. Lincoln did bring home strays. Why? He didn't really know. But the fact remained, he had brought them all into his house. They were under his roof. And that meant they were under his protection. Just as little Sam had once been. Well, that was part of it, wasn't it? Wasn't that why Ariella was here? Lincoln was going to get Sam back. For Sam, and for these four strays, Lincoln needed to step up. Pick another contract from the binder, he said to Ariella. She huffed. <laughs> Why, so you can bring home yet another mouth to feed? This asshole had been at the church all of a couple of days, and she acted like she owned the place. Something that pays in gold, Lincoln said. I don't care how dangerous it is. I'll collect the bounty, get square with the contractors, and Bingles, then I'll do another contract that pays in treasure so we can get it to Kalista and keep Sam safe. Yeah, safe, while spending every moment with that monstrous snake woman, Nanny Naga. That will take too long, Ariella said. The only bounty you could collect in time for us to get that cash, she nodded toward Billy, is sitting right there. Or your bounty, Magda said. I'm sure that if Link delivers your head to Kalista, she'll float him ten large. And he can get that done tonight. Ariella sneered at Magda, looked at Lincoln. Then go to Cordis and see Cantrell, Ariella said. He's either still got Dmitri Vanko's head in a box, or he cashed it in and he has the money. Bitch, you dumb, Magda said. Boss Hog, Oleus Oakbeard, the Flechette sisters, and who knows who else will attack Lincoln on site while Little Peen's contract is open. And because your head is still on your shoulders, Callista's people might come at Link, too. He goes to Cordis and gets spotted, he's gonna fight, and he's probably toast in the condition he's in. And we don't know if Cantrell has the money or if he's even there. Magda was right. Lincoln knew it. Ariella sighed, as if finally accepting the obstacles in their way. It's so ridiculous, she said. Ten grand isn't all that much, but we can't get it in time to make sure we're safe. 
as long as Ariella and Billy had contracts on their heads, if word got out about the church, for whatever reason, Lincoln couldn't protect them, or Magda, or himself for that matter. He couldn't ask Magda to go to Cordis, because if she could have, she would have already volunteered. He couldn't ask Billy or Ariella to go, not with bounties hanging over them. They wouldn't last an hour. Shitbird, maybe? No. The crow could scout and target poop in someone's eye, but he couldn't handle a financial transaction. There was only one person who could go. Lincoln stood, slowly, trying and failing to hide his groans of pain. I gotta try, he said. I'll go to Cordis, see if I can find Cantrell. If not, maybe I can borrow the money from his parents. Uh, it's ten grand, right? Billy set Dragon gently on the floor, then stood. And that's all you need, ten grand? No, that's not all, Ariella said. But it will buy us a few days to line up a bigger score. Why? Do you have $10,000? Maybe in the pockets of your piss-soaked pants? Billy shook his head. No, not my pants. He looked Lincoln in the eyes. At my house. In my room. I can tell you exactly where it is. At his house, where, if his real name had become known, and by now, it probably had, Boss Hog, Oakbeard, and Betty and Veronica might have someone watching or might be watching themselves. But if Lincoln could get to it, unseen, he wouldn't have to fight anybody. 10,000, Ariella said, hope in her voice. You sure? You're not bullshitting? Billy nodded. Yeah, I'm sure. With pleading eyes, Ariella looked at Lincoln. You have to go, she said. Go now. Magda hung her head. She was the most physically capable of the simple job, but she couldn't bring herself to leave the church. And if Billy went anywhere near his neighborhood, he was fucked. All right, Lincoln said. Tell me where to go. have been listening to Slay, created and read by Scott Sigler. Copyright 2023, Empty Set Entertainment. For more information on the author and more books, visit scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song They're Watching Me by the band Superweapon. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing 
to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.